One way to think about that churchy word or that theological word covenant is that in some ways it means partnership. God wants to partner with us. In the garden, God said to Adam and Eve, let's be partners. I made it, you manage it. It was this beautiful connection between the two of them. And similarly, God is working in the world now. And he's saying to us, let's partner. I'm restoring, you help restore. God's kingdom is coming. One of the very few things the disciples ever asked of Jesus to teach them was how to pray. And Jesus said, pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's what God is inviting us to be a part of, to join him, to partner with him in ushering in his kingdom into this world. I'll tell you a story about Wayne Gordon. He moved to the Lawndale neighborhood, one of the most crime-ridden neighborhoods in Chicago. Few could imagine any good coming from this place. He took a job as a football coach and history teacher at the local high school, and he opened a weightlifting room in the first floor storefront room below his apartment. After some time, he was able to gather 12 of his football players, and he just started having conversations with them. It eventually led to a Bible study, and they would just talk about the struggles of Lawndale. Wayne listened. He was present among them. He was God's presence to them. And out of this listening, the group started to have this conversation about, was there something that they could do to better Lawndale? And the group came up with this idea of building a freestyle exchange laundry mat where the users could contribute in some ways to its functioning. Over the years, hundreds of people intersected in this small, tiny room with washers and dryers. It became the entry point for God's, especially his presence. Other Christians joined to be God's presence, and one miracle at a time started to happen because of a room with a washer and a dryer. Reconciliation happened. Finances were shared. Life was reordered. Wayne once said, God comes to us to be with us. And in that presence, in his presence in my life, he reveals himself. In his presence, he brings forgiveness and reconciliation and healing and transformation and patience. And best of all, love. I always just thought being present was how it worked. Are you present in the world where you belong? You know, I have to confess to you guys, sometimes when I hear a story like that, just being honest if I can, I tune it out. I'm like, Brian, I'm never moving to Chicago, and I'm never going to live in a place that is crime-ridden and needs help, and, and we just dismiss it. Why? Well, probably because I'm selfish and stubborn and I like the comforts of my life. Thank you for that hand, Bob. I appreciate that. <laughs> or maybe it's because in some way 
I'm not really pondering, considering, reflecting, and imagining how I might seek first his kingdom and Jesus as king. And rather, I'm pretty comfortable in my own kingdom. Are you? My friends, the gospel of Jesus is the power. Can I remind us of what we have in this new kingdom? We have forgiveness. We have love. We have freedom. We have fellowship. We have community. We have purpose. We have meaning. We have empowerment. We have mercy. We have grace. And the list could go on and on and on. And my friends, we aren't called to just look at the gospel and go, well, that's nice. We, we might be thankful and we might appreciate the gospel that we have in Christ, but if that's all that we're doing, we would be missing the point of the gospel. Jesus didn't save us to appreciate the gospel. He saved us to become the gospel. Hear that again. He didn't save us to just go, yeah, this is nice. He saved us to become something. To become love and mercy and grace and fellowship and freedom and forgiveness and empowerment and mercy. Do you know where the kingdom of God comes in this world? It comes wherever a people submit to the rule of God in their lives. And he's calling each of us to be that presence, to be present. Church, we have put so much emphasis on Sunday morning, and Sunday's important. Hear me. But there should be just as much emphasis and just as much conversation and prayer and engagement and thought given to what it looks like for people who are spreading out throughout the community after we finish here at 1115 to go into the world to be the presence of God in the world. God wants to manifest his kingdom and his presence through you. One of the greatest distortions that has happened in the church is to think that the ones who do the true work of God are the ones who stand on the stage in front of an iPad and a Bible on Sunday mornings. That somehow what I do is more sacred and valuable than what you do. Then when we have this distinction, we say, well, I work in the secular world and Brian works in the sacred world, which I would love to totally crush and destroy that kind of thinking. That, that we would begin to learn that each and every one of us is called and invited into the sacredness of what we do. And every single thing, from brushing your teeth, to dealing as an accountant, to being a teacher, to being a garbage man, to being a plumber, whatever that is, in the eyes of God, once he is our king and we are a part of his kingdom, is sacred. God wants to work through each one of us. He wants us to actually become the gospel in the world. And where are we in the world? Well, here's on Sunday, yes, but that's an hour and 15 minutes of our lives. He wants us to actually become the gospel where people can taste, where we can be present, where they can see and get a picture of his true kingdom. Well, let me give you two practical principles here in this idea of how we can not just be present, but be present. Two practical thoughts and ideas for you to reflect on. 
how we can help adjust our understanding of what it means to be the faithful presence of Jesus in this world. And the first thing is this. Jesus has to become, he, he can't be the most important area, important in, of every area. He has to be the most important in every area. I fumbled that. Let me try that again. Jesus is not the most important of every area, but rather the most important in every area. Let me help us flesh out maybe practically what this means. Usually what we think about is we think hierarchically of what it means to follow Jesus. So we talk about Jesus has to be the most important. So I want, I'm going to make going to church important. I'm going to make reading my Bible important. I'm going to make praying important. I'm going to make community group important. And that will be of the utmost importance. And then I've got all the other things in my life. Family, work, play, fun, finances, whatever it is. And we make this list and we think about it hierarchically. And what that allows us to do is compartmentalize Jesus. So we go to church on Sunday. Maybe we go to community group on Sunday night. And we're like, boom, check the box. He's the most important. I'm done. And what Jesus wants, what Scripture teaches us, what seeking first the kingdom implies is that Jesus has to be the most important in every area of our life. That in every area of my life, whether it's my finances or my work or my family or my friends or anything dot, dot, dot that I'm in, Jesus is in every single one of those areas. And he speaks into my life in regards to each one of those areas. So what's most important is not how I spend my time or how I parent. We don't think about reordering hierarchical in our lives. No, we think about Jesus being a part of every single one of our areas of our lives. He influences every single thing. So, so it's not this idea where we can put Jesus on the shelf because we've accomplished it. No, Jesus is the shelf and everything goes on him. The second principle we have to think about and ponder is this, that without being in God's presence, it will be hard to become God's presence. Without being in God's presence, it will be hard to become God's presence. One theologian said this, if we're not spending time in the presence of God, it will be virtually impossible to have a meaningful life with God. So, let's do a little inventory here. How'd it go this last week? Now, hear me. This is one of those moments for me as a pastor where, you know, I could really press on you and heap this shame and guilt and say, try harder to spend time with God this week. And that truly is not my intent in this moment. I'd like to flip it the other way and look at it positively and say, we give our time to so many things, and some of those bring us joy, and some of those bring us peace, but what can truly happen is when we build into our lives this rhythm and pattern of being in the presence of God, the things that he gives us, the things that we all long for, love and mercy and grace and peace and freedom and joy, all of those things, when we're giving ourselves to being in, those pre in his presence, those things, are we're going to be transformed into them. I heard somebody say this week, there's really only one rule for prayer. Show up. I love that. 
Can I just maybe even get way more practical here and, and help us just as a church? Uh, there are two, this is crazy, but there are two apps out there that can be incredibly helpful. They're not perfect, okay, hear me, but, but maybe if you're struggling to like figure out how to build into this rhythm, there's, there are two apps that I've used that I really like. One is an app called Pray As You Go, and it just offers some time to listen, to reflect on scripture, and just hear some verses, and it encourages you to pray in a certain way. There's another app called Lectios 365 I learned about just this week. I've been using it actually this week, and I love it. There's a morning and an evening reflection. It's, it, it, will, it will make you uncomfortable because it will read a verse, and then it will be silent for like a minute, and you're going to sit there and be like, what am I supposed to do right now? And you're going to be like, am I supposed to be praying right now? And you're going to think, okay, maybe I'll just start praying. And then it might be silent for like a whole nother minute. And you're going to be like, oh, no, no, now i got to pray for two minutes. <laughs> and, and I'm being a little silly here, but if we're not in God's presence, how can we become God's presence? We're just putting it back on ourselves to be the ones who make the effort and do the work to be who we cannot be. So church, how do we become the gospel? We become the gospel by being the faithful presence of God in the world. And the second way that we do this is we actually present. We introduce, we announce, we display. We are made in the image of God, and we are called to be gift givers of the gift giver. Think, I, I love the picture of that. That God has given us gifts that we could never begin to account for how beautiful and amazing they are. And he says, now I want you to be just like me and now you give gifts. And if we pour out our lives using our gifts to bless the world, the Bible teaches us that we will be blessed in return, not necessarily financially, but we've been blessed to be a blessing. And there will be this cyclical application of blessing in our lives, that this blessing when we are present in the world and we present to the world this new kingdom, actually the world will flourish. So we're called to display, to present the kingdom. And where are we called to do that? Well, we're called to do that Monday through Saturday. Sure, on Sunday too, but Monday through Saturday is primarily what I want to push us towards, outside these doors. What if we as a church really started thinking about bringing the kingdom of God, of displaying the invisible kingdom in our world all the time? What if we started encouraging each other in that, praying about that, what that might look like, how it works? That, that as we start to think about God ruling every aspect of our life, we consider that he wants to rule every corner of the world. And so he sent us to be participants in his work, ambassadors in his work, and pointing people to the king and the kingdom. Now, again, let me confront what you may be hearing here. I'm not necessarily saying you need to just talk more about Jesus. We do, but it's more than that. And I'm not just saying... Why don't you try leading a Bible study in your workplace? That could be it. But it also is much broader than that. 
If God is present in every area of our lives, and what that means is he wants to be present in every area of our life. So what we need to do in order to really apply this, to really think about how can we present the kingdom, which could include talking evangelistically, sharing about the good news of Jesus, which could include leading a Bible study. But there are so many other things that it means to be a part of participating and partnering with God and bringing his kingdom. So let's for a second here, join. let's think about what the future kingdom is going to be like. If the prayer is your kingdom on earth, come as it is in heaven, What Jesus is inviting us to do there is he's saying, I want you to ponder, reflect on, and pray about what the future kingdom is going to look like, and then consider what it looks like to bring that here on this earth. So what will that future kingdom look like? Well, it'll be perfect. I mean, it's going to be awesome. There will be perfect acceptance and approval. Perfect love. People will see you for who you are, and you will be loved perfectly. There will be no pain, no poverty, no suffering. There will be work, but it will be satisfying and not corrupted. There won't be evil in our work. There will be peace and justice And we have the opportunity to partner with God in beginning to display that kingdom now. So, can we think just for a moment what that might look like? What might that look like on Monday through Friday? Now, some of you you may be thinking, now hang on a second, Brian. The Bible is good for me. I know, it's good. If I read the Bible, it's going to help me understand how to follow Jesus, what God did in life, and all of those things. But the Bible really doesn't help me think about how to run a business, how to be a teacher, how to be a plumber, how to be a dentist. And this is kind of how we approach things. It goes back to our hierarchical view of things. Well, the Bible's going to tell me what it looks like to follow Jesus, but it's not going to tell me any of these other things how to do life. And that's why we just kind of live in this hierarchical thing instead of thinking, The Bible has everything I need to know about how to live in every single one of these aspects of my life. The the, the point of the Bible is not to contain specific information per se about dentistry, but it has all the divine words that the dentist, teacher, plumber, business owner, and preacher needs to have to usher in the kingdom of God. Hear that just one more time, because this is revolutionary. The Bible has every single thing that we need, all the divine words that the dentist, teacher, plumber, preacher, and business owner needs to participate in and usher in the kingdom. Do you believe that? Let me give you six quick thoughts. I'm going to hustle through these, I promise. Not because I'm moving quickly, but I I just want to kind of give you six things to ponder as you leave today. I'm just going to give you six ways that we can think about bringing the kingdom in our Monday through Saturday lives. So what I want you to do as I go through these, boom, 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 I want, 
It can be overwhelming to think about what this is going to be. Maybe this week you would just think on one of these. Like one of these, maybe the spirit in this moment would say, yeah, this one, this one is the one I'd love for you to think about as you live. Six concepts. The first one is this, bold love, not selfishness. People who love God more than anything else will want to express that love in every situation. If we love God more than anything else, then we're going to seek to know how to love him wherever we are and there in turn be a gift giver and love others. We usually love others the way that we think they should be loved. Like we, we're, we're usually like, um, and you know what usually that means is? You don't deserve my love. That's what we think. I'm, you know, we're talking hypothetically now, not, not me. <laughs> what if we started thinking about loving others the way they need to be loved? What if we started thinking about loving others that, that of course they don't deserve to be loved? But what about, wasn't that with us? That in our undeserving, God chose to love us? What would it practically look like for us to boldly love people? Second thing, radical generosity, not greed. What if we started using our resources in a radical way? What if we started saying there's this picture of eternity that's so beautiful and so wonderful that we want to give of our resources and finances to missionaries, to nonprofits, to things that will benefit and flourish our community. What if the church did this in a way, what if we used our resources in a way that didn't make sense to the world? What if we tried to be a living hope and not despair? What if instead of believing the lie, the world wants you to believe that everything in this life is going to hell in a handbasket, we were the presence of hope? What if we were the ones that said a better world is coming? That no matter what you're seeing now, there's something to have hope in, to believe in. What if we, I'm going to ask about a thousand what if questions. We're about halfway through. Dignified workplaces. What if we built dignified workplaces that weren't based on the bottom line for our business owners in here? Too many businesses, and I, we all wrestle with this, right? A lot of businesses are bottom line realities, number-based evaluations, productivity-rooted judgments. What can we as Christians offer against this money, greed-shaped reality that our culture has placed on workers? That instead of looking at people as cogs in the wheel and agents of production, we really look at people as image bearers of God? What if we started thinking about our coworkers as humans made in the image of God, as humans having value for who they are and what they bring to the community of workers, as humans having dignity with a story that is unlike the story of others? What if we brought the kingdom through harmonious peace and not hostility? What if we tried to engage with the world the opposite the way the news media teaches us to engage? What if we listened to people? What if we asked people questions? What if we tried to learn people's stories? Have you ever considered that it is hard to condemn somebody you understand? 
And lastly, what if we engaged in restorative justice and not just neutrality? What, think about, what is the kingdom going to be like? In the kingdom, we're all going to worship Jesus in the same way. There's going to be this beautiful equality that will happen in eternity. We will all be welcomed the same, loved the same, and treated the same. And what if it was the church who was arguing and fighting for this same picture right now, right here? Practically. Can I give you one more, two more practical things here? The first is this. There's a podcast I found a couple weeks ago called Cultivated. Cultivated. It's basically Mike Cosper interviews. He's been doing it for about three years. He interviews workers all over the map, and they just talk about how they're thinking about and pondering how to bring the kingdom of God in their workplace. Maybe you want to just listen to a few of those this week. Just engage with how and hear and be encouraged by how Christians all over the marketplace are thinking about pondering and engaging how in their space, Monday through Saturday, they're engaging with how to bring the kingdom. The second thing, just to encourage you, we as a church are going to make a concerted effort as an application for our mission to become the gospel, to equip each other as a family to... Think about how we can bring the kingdom Monday through Saturday. Whether we're in some kind of workplace, whether we're retired, whether we're at home, whatever is going on in those situations, that, that we want to think about what does it look like for us to be participants with God in being present and being present or presenting, being present and presenting. And so our elders, actually, are going to a conference. We put in the budget this year. We're headed to a conference in October to visit a church in Kansas City. And we're going to engage on this idea of what it looks like to be a church that becomes the gospel Monday through Saturday. And so we're going to get some coaching and some training and some follow-up coaching throughout the year that's going to help us with this. And so, actually, what's about to happen this afternoon at some one, I don't know, DJ, will t you'll get an email from DJ. We're going to ask everybody in the congregation to take a survey, 14-question survey, about what you do during the week and how you think about God's kingdom in regards to what you do during the week. It's going to help us gain a picture of what the makeup of our church is because I have this hope and vision that what would actually happen is we would get these groups of teachers and business owners and people in entertainment and arts and people who are thinking about their family and they would gather together and they would ask this question, what would it look like for us to creatively be present and present the kingdom of God? And we would start talking about that as a church and engaging with each other as a church to think about how we can step forward in being a participant with God and ushering in his kingdom and making the invisible, beautiful, beyond imagination, wonderful kingdom visible. So maybe the most important thing you would hear from this sermon today is please fill out the survey when you get it in the next 24 hours. I'll wrap it up with this. 
D.L. Moody, a famous evangelist and preacher, he once said this, our greatest fear should not be failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Present and present. Be present and present the kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. That's what matters. That's what matters. That's what Jesus invites us to be, to serve the king and to make the invisible kingdom visible. A new king and a new kingdom. Let's join him in bringing that. Let's pray. Almighty, awesome God, we thank you for Jesus who was a king who came into this world to change the world and to change us. And so we humbly this morning come before you and ask you to make your invisible kingdom visible through us. Father, we pray almost every week the same prayer, and I'll pray it again today as we close. What we know not, please teach us. What we have not, please give us. And what we are not, what is not the gospel in our lives, what has not yet become the beautiful image bearers of God that you have designed and created us to be, what we are not, please make us. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.